When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to the Pebble Report podcast. It is July of 2022. We're pushing the draft. We're pushing the home stretch of the dog days of summer, I think. I mean, I guess we're all in a subjectively different place, wherever the dog days of summer may take us right here. Um, Kenneth Weber and myself, Justin Wick, we have just been rambling on. We've probably been on this call for well over a half hour, just just catching up on life, catching up on Kenneth absolutely dominating the amateur scene and all the coaching that he's got going on. Meanwhile, I am absolutely roasting here in Arizona and looking for any degree of relief that Kenneth can get me right here, but... My friend, I just want to open it up to you. You've been like the hero out there. How are you holding up, man? Uh, dude, I was going to complain. You you talked about the different degrees of summer that everybody's experiencing. And uh, I, in a very naive state, was about to be like, well, if you're in Colorado, you're you're burning up. But you live in Phoenix, <laughs> man. You live in a place where bumpers just melt off into the street. I'm trying to, yeah. Like, I try to keep it on the down low that I even live in Arizona and not colorado when it comes to my purple road duties but i guess i could say this straight out of the shoot i'm back on with the arizona fall league this year i'm fired up our schedule is going to be announced in a couple days so we've got some good stuff on the horizon i I hate to celebrate that because the arizona fall league kind of means that the rest of the minor league season is over and that means we don't really have a podcast anymore but it's all relative man it's a good dessert (laughs) after the main dish that was the season (laughs) we have a good time with it man it's always good to be catching up with you guys thank you for tuning in yet again we have a whole rundown that's going to look i don't know if this is similar or different i guess every episode's just you never know what you're going to run into we've got our all june team that we're going to be mapping out our record day is july 10th so we've been able to compile all the great data put together our 26 man roster for the dudes that absolutely showed out in the month of june from there, we're going to be going over some recent promotions. Just a lot of dudes that got called up. Good stuff. A lot of dudes that were on the all-June team that happened to get called up as well. From there, we've got the MLB draft coming up. We're on the horizon, man. we got a whole lot of good stuff cooking. We're going to map out where the Rockies are. they got the 10th overall pick. They've got the 31st. They've got the 38th. We're in a pretty good spot to be able to map out some pretty good, solid prospects at this point in time. Um We'll cover all of those cool details, and then, of course, we'll send you off where you can catch all the minor league affiliates. And this is – we got a lot to unpack right here. We just got to hit this thing rolling. We're here to break down the monthly recurring segment straight out of the shoot this time around. 
26 players named to our honorary roster. Breaking it down by affiliate, we've got five players from Albuquerque on this all-June team. We've got seven from Hartford, five from Spokane, five from Fresno. And we dug into the archives. We got three from the Arizona Complex League, and we even have one from the Dominican Summer League. So serious research skills right here. I got to give a shout-out to my guy Kenneth for really holding down the fort on a lot of this right here. So here's how we broke it down. Every position is represented for just some clarity's sake, so we didn't just have a swarm of shortstops and not a lot of second basemen. We do have corner infield and middle infield, so we did kind of make it a little bit general there, but again, enough to be able to field our standard roster. We'll start with catchers. We'll go into infielders, outfielders, starters, relievers, and we're going to let this thing roll. So Kenneth, my friend, why don't you kick us off with the catching core? Yeah, so uh, on the catchers, we have four nominations for the All-June team. Uh, we have Jonathan Morales in Albuquerque. Uh, Hunter Goodman, we have listed as a catcher because he still moonlights there just a little bit. Um, but Hunter Goodman, obviously, for everything he was doing down in Fresno, um, deserves a lot of recognition. Uh, we also have Jesus Ordonez in the uh, Complex League and Bryant Betancourt in the uh, Dominican Summer League. Uh, when we go to Morales, we'll start at the top on the most experienced. Uh, he signed with Colorado in February. He was kind of one of the uh, the rash of minor league free agent catchers that they signed. And he's kind of been uh, platooning with Carlos Perez um, for the Isotopes. It's crazy how much production that they get and how well they've balanced that catching situation, especially since um, Brian Servin has been called up to the Rockies and is pretty well stuck there. So you have... Um, not only Dom Nunez coming back down, but you also have Morales and Perez. So those have kind of been the DH slash platoon catchers situation in Albuquerque all season long, um, or for the majority of the, the season so far. And uh, Morales has held up his end. In June, he had five bombs. He had a 1.062 OPS, 10 RBIs for an, Al or for an Albuquerque offense that was missing Montero for much of that stretch. So... They needed the offense where they could find it. So Morales with a really good showing there. Um, on to Hunter Goodman. Um, we're going to touch a little bit on Goodman's ex um, being promoted up to Spokane a little bit later on. But the amount that he crushed the Cal League while he was at Fresno was impressive. He was a little bit older, um, but you know had some some good NCAA experience. But every single month that you saw Hunter Goodman down in Fresno, he was just hitting tanks all over the place, and that went on through june um had another eight home runs in june drew 14 walks to just 18 strikeouts you know the swing and miss is the one thing that has kind of kept him there longer than we expected he would be um but a little bit more of a balanced approach resulted in a 330 batting average over 25 games he scored 22 runs in 25 games and collected 62 total bases which i believe was the highest of any colorado hitter um in the minor leagues over the month of june uh, finished just a hair shy of an 1100 OPS. So, I mean, average OPS in Fresno, home runs, he was doing it the entire time, and that's what earned him the trip up to Spokane. Um, so he's definitely on the list. Next, we'll just kind of touch on Ordonez and Betancourt. Ordonez is a little bit older, uh, 22 years old, playing in the Arizona Complex League. A really good bet to probably go over and get a little bit of time at Fresno. Um, as the ACL wraps down and in that last month or so for the uh, Grizzly season. Hit 349 over June, though. Three bombs, um, 11 RBIs. Finished with an OPS just short of 1,100 as well. And then Bryant Betancourt, very interesting. Left-handed hitting catcher um, in the Dominican Summer League, 18 years old. So very young. 
Um, it is his second year in the DSL, but I mean, so far he's shown well with the bat, which goes a long way because that DSL is kind of the first tier of proving what kind of, you know, what we might have in this type of prospect. So uh, 362 average, 13 runs, 40, uh, 45 total bases in 58 plate appearances, knocked out six home runs, drove in 20 um, with 11 walks, to just six strikeouts. So a 1235 OPS, you can never, you know, cough at and that's what uh Bettencourt put up in june so good things to come good showing so far for the catching core man you just unloaded a ton of stats right here we set the bar really high as we're getting this thing rolling man. your spreadsheet man you put all these numbers in front of me i feel like i have to say them all <laughs> i'm gonna do what i can to be able to hold up my end of the bargain verbally right here man i will touch on something that i thought was really cool about Bettencourt. he only has Six strikeouts in, let me check this, 58 at-bats in the month of June. Um, especially in the Dominican Summer League, that could be a place where, I mean, anywhere, the complex league, even low A, that's somewhere where, you know, plate discipline might get a little bit exposed at that point in time. But, you know, at 18 years old, to be able to limit his strikeouts as much as he has, especially with, you know, what he's been able to show with the OPS north of 1,200, you know, that's very cool to see. And I mean, it's certainly promising. And, you know, yeah, 18 years old. Now we get to talk about some really young prospects in the fold right here. And you don't see a ton of power in the DSL either. So to put up six bombs to go with, a, you know, a really solid approach where he's not um, gathering too many strikeouts. Like, I mean, that's that's checking all the boxes on. You think you got a pretty good hitter here? Sure, absolutely. You know, we got a full range right here, all the way up to Morales, just signing with the Rockies just a couple months ago, and then we'll get it cooking. So very cool. Another little side note on the catching crew or on the catching core. All four of them have an OPS over a thousand, and that is the only position. I mean, count it if we say corner infield, middle infield, and outfield. That's the only one catcher that all four of them have OPS above a thousand. So, you know, not to say that as a preface that it's a downer for the remainder of the players that we have on the list, but I'll go ahead and move on to our corner infield listings. We've got two guys in Albuquerque, one in Hartford, and another in the Complex League. First dude that we've got named to this holds the best average and the best OPS among qualified players in the month of June. That is Sean Bouchard, posting a 412 average, putting together a 1422 OPS. Now, somewhat of a limited sample size. He did only play in 13 games, but what he was able to put together in those 13 games, I mean, you certainly can't leave somebody off a list like this. And especially not knowing what the vulnerability is going to be as far as, you know, the revolving door. If you never know when a Chris Bryant is going to be going through the mix, he's certainly going to take the priority in the batting order or however it comes together. He's got six home runs, Sean Bouchard does. And that's certainly tremendous as far as what he's been able to put together in a run scoring environment that you really need to post some figures like that every once in a while, especially in a power hitting position like a middle infielder in Albuquerque. If we move on down the list, Grant Levine had the best average in OPS in Hartford for the month of June. He did it with a, a bigger sample size. He put together 24 games, batting slash of 326, 410, 465. He did have 30 strikeouts. Um, this is a modern game where power kind of reigns supreme, so call it what it is. But all the while, when you're able to put together the power figures that he did, several of extra base hits in the mix, he had... Let me check and take a look at this. Out of his 28 hits, he had seven of them for extra bases. And, you know, he's certainly putting himself in a position to drive in plenty of runners, subject to how many guys are able to get on base for him. So Grant Levine and Sean Bouchard leading the top two candidacies for our corner infield slots. We have another guy that has an extremely small sample. His name is El Juris Montero. He has only nine games, but he was also called up to the big leagues because – 
he was hitting 429 and you know that's it's not his fault that he got called up i guess so we decided we had to put el Hiras montero into the mix again nine games that is the smallest sample size of any of the position players that we have on the all june team but all the while you know at 1292 ops he gave himself everything that he needed to do in order to get promoted he's on the big league roster he's getting relatively limited samples of time arguing our recording date is sunday july 10th i remember the ninth inning yesterday he put a double in the left field against the diamondbacks so he's starting to really show out he's getting a little bit more opportunities but you know it's everything we've known about him if you're a re- if you're a routine listener to this podcast you know everything that we have to say about Aguirre's montero by this point in time and he's essentially hey, a graduate him. yeah there you go <laughs> he's essentially a graduated prospect so i don't really know how much we're able to talk about him anymore but you know all the while really pushing for him to be able to get a little bit more playing time i selfishly say that just because we've been following him as much as we have our last corner infielder that we've got a dude by the name of johnny um his real name is johnny but everything that is pretty much if you type in his name you'll find his first name is known as cuba his name is Cuba Bess. He is not Cuban. He actually played four years at Grand Canyon University. He is, this is a really interesting story that I think is kind of like, it makes me curious why he's still in the complex league. He's 24 years old. So older than the traditional prospect that you're going to find in the complex league. Sure, you'll find a couple of college graduates there. But, you know, this guy spent four years in college. Now he's mixing himself in for multiple years of his professional duties. OPS of 1,021. Um, batting slash 340, 417, 604. I just stumbled because there was a zero in that 604. What am I doing here? <laughs> it's very curious to be able to see, you know, it, this seems for all intents and purposes, somebody that would be getting an opportunity in Fresno. I would certainly think, you know, somebody with the status of what he was able to post in college, maybe that would be somebody that would just start in low A by default. But, you know, at the same time, he's hanging out in Arizona, same place that he went to college kicking it over at Salt River Fields, doing everything that it needs to do to be able to get a roll. So curious to see if there's going to be a promotion on the horizon. But again, Sean Bouchard, Grant Levine, Cuba Bess, Alhiros Montero. That's what we got on the corner infield. Yeah, Cuba Bess. Uh, I guess he would he would technically be Johnny Bess Jr. since he is the son of Johnny Bess. Um, he is a Colorado native. Uh, from- That's right. Fruita or Fruita, Colorado. I've never really been there or know much Great about it. Peaches. All the peaches are from Fruita, is that right? Okay. That interesting background too. He was a 39th round pick out uh, out of Grand Canyon in 2016 by the Rockies, uh, but ended up going over towards the Red Sox um, and spent 2020 with the Boston Red Sox. I think that might have actually been a trade. A very, very small one, uh, but had 2020 down in the Florida Coast League, uh, or excuse me, in 2021 there, and then ended up coming back over to the Rockies. So kind of an interesting path going on with Bass, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to have to translate to full season ball. And then just to touch on Montero real quick, um, you mentioned the graduated prospect of him, and that's absolutely true. Um, he, as long as he keeps on playing in the majors or starts playing more often, that will be cemented. If you're not feeling kosher about having him on the All-June team, uh, Worming Bernabel is a fine substitute. Just real quick with him, uh, in 109 plate appearances over the month of June, all with Fresno, he put up a 323, 394, 542 slash line. So that equated to a 936 OPS with five bombs and 10 stolen bases. So 
Bernabel's been uh, just an absolute beast, taking it over to Spokane. We'll touch on that later. So he definitely deserves some recognition in that corner infield if you don't like Montero having that spot. Good shout out there, man. Good thing. Yeah, just in case you're upset with somebody with nine games on the roster right there. Yeah. That's a good call. There you go. That's the sub. Um, but let's shift over to the middle infield side. Uh, so we have uh, one from each level on the full season affiliates. We have Coco Montez for Albuquerque, Ezekiel Tovar, the dude, the man. Um, coming out of Hartford, we have Ben Sems coming from Fresno. Um, probably haven't heard much about Ben Sems, but he started getting a lot more playing time in June. Started showing off a little bit. And then we rounded out with Julio Carreras in uh, Spokane. Uh, starting at the top, uh, Coco Montez, probably the truest second baseman that we have on the list. Ever since he's been promoted from Hartford to Albuquerque, he and uh, Trejo have formed a really, really nice middle infield tandem for the isotopes. And in June, he put up a 1.028 OPS. Uh, he had two doubles, two triples, and seven home runs in the month of June. So Montez, man, the dude can just hit. He might just be one of those overachieving middle infield, utility infield type prospects, but those guys usually come out to be pretty good ball players at the major league side. And Montez has really done nothing to get off that track. So definitely worthy of getting on the all June team for us. Next is Tovar. Uh, you know by this point that Ezekiel Tovar is just an absolute monster of a baseball player. Uh, he's probably the most not from this earth of any Rockies prospect um, over the past two seasons. And, you know, it just it keeps impressing the entire time. His down periods are still just absurd. He hit 304 with an 800 OPS. Uh, 343 on base percentage and 457 slugging. That's like completely down from everything else he was doing up till June. So his down is still elite. Um, and he rightfully got named to the 2022 futures game. Um, he's out with a groin strain right now. So we're going to see if he will actually play. Uh, but if, you know, if Tovar wasn't on the map for most prospect followers before, he absolutely is now in 2022. Um, from there, we'll go to Ben Sims, uh, 44 at bat, so a little bit limited, but the playing time that he is getting, he is just making the most of it. Uh, put up a 318, 446, 523 line in just uh, 15 games, down for Fresno. Uh, he's a University of uh, Michigan graduate, uh, just like Carl Kaufman, and I believe Jack Blomgren is from there as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, so a lot of Wolverines representation in the Rockies system these days, but Sims had a great month down in Fresno, um, had six total, uh, extra base hits really. I mean, as these Fresno core guys, um, are going to be moving around a little bit, guys like Sims are going to be the ones who get the opportunity, um, and Iverson Rodriguez. So we get to see what they're capable of. And so far they're showing out pretty well. Um, and last to finish on the middle infield side, we'll look at Julio Carreras. 341 was the average for Carreras and 91 at-bats in June. Dude really has been taken off with the bat lately. 402 on base and a 527 uh, slugging percentage. He had the most doubles of anybody in this or on the all-June team with nine. He also picked up a triple and a home run. So total bases, 48 in 91 at-bats, uh, 31 knocks, 14 runs scored, and uh, 18 driven in while also keeping kind of a modest strikeout rate in that time frame, Carreras is looking like somebody who can get it done with the bat. You know, the questions on, you know, is how, what other infielders can jump ahead of him are 
true, but that's because how many infielders we're starting to accumulate um, at the A-ball levels. But Carreras' bat keeps on playing, and as long as it keeps on showing off, man, he's going to keep being in the lineup and getting his chances. And in June, he made the most of it. So Montez, Tovar, Sems, and Carreras, that's what we're putting up the middle for the all-June team. You know, it's fun to be mapping out, like, just a lot of optimism right here. I think it's kind of silly, too, out of those four dudes. Ezekiel Tovar actually had the lowest OPS out of all four <laughs> of them. So yeah. I hate to say this was a down month for Ezekiel Tovar. I mean, he's certainly still holding his own. I mean, I don't, I don't think those are metrics to be down by any means. But I guess another kind of good mention, too. Um, the previous couple months when we've been putting these rosters together, we've had more of a clear-cut second base and shortstop. And I guess kind of the motive at this point in time is if you're the elite prospect at each level, you're probably going to be showing your versatility at shortstop. So you mentioned Coco Montes is probably the truest second baseman. Julio Carreras might be used more a little bit on the third base side. So we could kind of rationalize him as a corner infielder. But, you know, there is a plenty of versatility. And especially for some of these younger guys, there's a lot of ability to kind of shake those guys around. You know, if, if Trevor Story can move over to second base for the Red Sox, I feel like Ben Sims could certainly move over to second base for the Fresno Grizzlies here. He also had like 120 <laughs> million reasons to move over to second base a little bit. But yeah, I mean, the only other one that, that's kind of sticking pretty firmly at second base is Juan Brito um, with, with the Grizzlies. And he's definitely had his moments. He's on a, a good path himself. But yeah, it you stick at shortstop as long as you can, and then you kind of shift around from that point on. Uh, is the common theme when we're in the minor league system. Sure, absolutely. And, you know, we've got plenty of recurring names. we got a couple wild cards into the mix on this. I guess the outfield is kind of the same mix as far as – I will start off by saying Zach Veen is yet again in the all-month selection for Surprise. the month of June anyways. There you go. Another dude named the 2022 Futures game. Him and Ezekiel Tovar will be representing the Colorado Rockies. Also, side note, they're, the Futures game's on Saturday this year. Is that right? Uh, I believe is so. That, yeah, I was just kind of like dumbfounded going, I'm always used to seeing that thing on a Sunday right here. So just, you know, friendly note, if you're trying to tune in and you find out that it already happened, you heard it here first, man. Make sure you're checking it out on the Saturday All-Star Week and not Sunday. Right. <laughs> I was dumbfounded. Sure. So anyways, that's what we've got cooking as far as Futures Game Horizon is concerned. Our outfield selections, we have four more dudes. We got one from Hartford, one from Spokane, two from Fresno. So primarily a younger mix of prospects on here. Daniel Montano is going to hold it on to the top. He was called up from Spokane earlier this year in a little, in a little bit of a limited selection with Hartford. He did have relatively a full month with the Yard Goats in June. 23 games, was able to post an 830 OPS. Batting slash at 270, 369, 461. So again, kind of a younger horizon, but somebody that's certainly been able to prove himself with a little bit of a step up in pitching. Very cool to see somebody do this from the high A to the double A promotion. That's usually kind of a big jump as far as plate discipline is concerned. You know, it's not standard that everybody kind of slumps initially, but there's kind of a clear cut difference of high A to double A pitching. And now all of a sudden Montano's making it look just as easy as it was in Spokane. So very cool to see that developmental progress. Makes you wonder what's the horizon, what's the ceiling going to look like if he's able to make that big of an adjustment. Um, quickly touch on Zach Veen because you guys already know everything about him by this point in time. Slash of 250, 361, 489. His OPS was just a couple points above Montano. Veen put together an 850. Um, kind of what we're coming to expect out of this guy. He put together four home runs. He did have a couple extra, extra, a couple extra, extra base hits. Goodness, let's go with a couple additional extra base hits. I like extra. Montano, 
<laughs> they go the extra extra. Mm -hmm. Montano had nine extra base hits on the month in 89 at bats. Out of Veen, he had three extra at bats. He had 92. And Veen actually had three more extra base hits. He had one more double and put together three triples. Always exciting to see that stuff rolling. Veen also had 22 strikeouts as opposed to Montano's 33. So, again, that's something to kind of keep an eye on when the time comes when Veen actually does get promoted to Hartford, which probably is just a matter of time at this point. Um, it'll be fun to be able to recognize how does his strikeouts kind of compare to, you know, I'm not trying to say Montano is on the same developmental scale of what Veen is. But always interesting to watch those strikeout figures. And I guess you can kind of rationalize these two have been performing at kind of a relative clip with each other, just despite being a part one level at this point in time. Um, rounding out our outfield selections, two dudes from Fresno. We've got young man by the name of Trevor Boone, 2018, 18th round selection out of Oklahoma State. Happened to be coached by none other than Matt Holiday and his brother, who is the head coach at Oklahoma State. So a little bit of Colorado ties there. Trevor Boone had 15 games, so kind of a limited sample, but at the same time, you know, 860 OPS, and he was able to leave the yard three times, three doubles on top of this. So, again, kind of a limited sample. He has the fewest games played out of all of our outfield candidates, but he was able to put together a tremendous month of June. Um, rounding it out, final outfield selection. A young man that happened to hit a double off yours truly back in 2020. Got to show him some love. I think I mentioned that every time we talk about Zach Kokosko, whatever we're on here. A double. It, was. it was, man. I, I lobbed that thing in. It was my slowest fastball of the day, man. There you go. But he so, legged it out. He just got it over did. second. He legged that double. <laughs> oh, I think a dude scored from first, if I'm not going to lie. That tells you how hard it was hit. <laughs> oh, man. Zach Kokoska in the month of June, he put together out of 21 game sample size, OPS of 998, so flirting right around that 1,000 mark. That is by far the leader of our outfielding candidates. So you could argue he had the best month out of all of them. 320 average, 398 on base, 600 slugging percentage. And that's what five home runs will do for you. So able to put together nine extra base hits out of his 24 hits. So that's why that big spread in slugging percentage is coming together. And all the while, you know, putting 10 walks together, 13 strikeouts, which is very cool to be able to recognize, you know, he's just putting the ball in play. He's just finding any pitch that he can hit and he's doing what he can do with it. So out of those 13 strikeouts, you know, if you look up and down our list of guys that are on this position player landscape, those are significantly lower strikeout figures than a lot of guys that we have. Um, interesting to see, especially, you know, low A, you're probably going to see a little bit more historically, if I may, more wild pitching, just being at the lowest level of, you know, the organized full seasons. It's curious to be able to piece together, you know, at the same time, he's still finding his pitches and he's still hitting as many, I mean, five home runs with four doubles and doing all of these details. That's very cool. And it's very interesting to follow along with. So continues to do everything that I've known for years, I guess, just tasting that of my own blood. There you go. But there Sorry. it is. Daniel Montano yeah. in Hartford, Zach Bean in Spokane, Zach Kakaska in Fresno and Trevor Boone also in Fresno. So those are our position players. All 16 names, man. Thanks for sticking through us. We have 10 different pitchers that we're going to be able to roll through. I'm going to go ahead and give Kenneth the starters, and then I'll close it down with our relievers. But go ahead and cook us our little starting rotation for the all-June team, man. Yeah, so we're going with the uh, traditional five-man rotation. There's no need for the extra day of rest uh, around here. Um, we have Nick Bush coming out of Hartford. Uh, we also have the, the trio in Spokane that has really set themselves out a little bit. Uh, well, for the most part. Uh, Tony Losi and Joe Rock have been at the top of the rotation the entire time. And Andrew Cazeta this time was uh, 
pretty dominant in June. And then we have McCade Brown coming out of Fresno. So starting with the, uh, the most tenured here is going to be Nick Bush, uh, lefty from LSU. You know, he was somebody that was on my radar heading into the season because it's not necessarily going to be that high ceiling, that ace caliber type pitcher. Um, but I see just enough of, you know, kind of a Chris Russin, kind of that that crafty, more of a lefty that's able to mix in um, a decent breaking ball and a good changeup that kind of makes his fastball play up a little bit. And that's really what he's shown throughout most of the season in Hartford. In June, he had five games uh, through 27 and two thirds innings with a 2.93 ERA. Uh, you know, always flirting with a strikeout per inning pitched with 25 over that 27 and two thirds. Um, and allowed nine earned runs, three home runs um, in that time frame. The batting average was up a little bit, 269, but for the most part, he strung together some really impressive streaks where he'll go three, four, five starts, allowing three earned runs or less. You know, there might be one moment there where he gets hit, touched up a little bit and isn't able to escape that big inning, but otherwise, he's been very, very consistent for Hartford. Um, so a lot of promising signs from Bush. Uh, we'll touch on McCade Brown before we move on to Spokane, just because McCade Brown, he had a bit of a delayed start to his season. Um, he was in ex extended spring training uh, to start 2022. And then once he got on to Fresno, man, he, he just blows hitters away big time. 39 strikeouts in 26 and a third innings in June. Most strikeouts of anybody on our list. Um, everybody kind of hangs around that same general innings pitch, but he's posting up, you know, a near 35% strikeout rate. So McCade Brown, big, tall, uh, right-hander. I believe he's out of Indiana as well. Um, he can form with Joe rock to give uh, a really promising college pitching duo coming out of that 2020 draft, um, or 2021, excuse me. And really, really impressive what he's been doing down in Fresno. He's probably going to be going up to Spokane anytime soon. Speaking of Spokane, uh, Tony Losey really was dominant. Third round pick out of Georgia from the Cardinals system involved in the Arenado trade. Five games started in June, 29 and a third innings, striking out 24. Uh, the walks were a little bit high on it with 14, but he also was holding a 1.147 uh, uh, batting average against. So kind of self-inflicted when he is getting into some jams, but otherwise he's just proven to be that hard guy to hit, man. So Losey is somebody that is catching a lot of attention for the way that he's thrown in 2022. And in June, putting up a two, four, five ERA shows why. And last to finish up uh, the leading win total uh, or you know, the leading winner, I guess, if we want to say it that way, Andrew Cazeta. I uh, don't know if you can hear, but I also have a wrestling match going on between my dogs in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't hear a thing, man. If you didn't say anything, it would have been all good. All right. Uh, 20 innings pitch for Kazeda in three games started. 2.25 ERA. Uh, 16 strikeouts and a 2.33 ERA. That's the lowest ERA of the all-June starters. So Kazeda, I mean, that Spokane pitching has been impressive. We, we look at the ceilings that are starting to come out of that Indians rotation. And... How it's going to translate to double A is going to be telling because, as you mentioned with Montana, that's kind of the barrier to see just how you know legit of an MLB prospect are some of these guys. But as they go on from Spokane after dominating at this level the way they have this year, um, if they start showing off in Spoke or in Hartford too, this could be some serious next wave of starting pitching talent that we're seeing right now in that Spokane rotation. And Kazeda was part of it in June. 
you know, this is some serious business right here. And I think it's interesting as far as, you know, taking a look, three of these five arms actually in Spokane. And I do like how you mentioned, you know, the double A jump, where is it going to be? I'm interesting as far as what Tony Losey has been able to put together. Yes, the walks were somewhat of the concerning figure, but nobody's hitting him. And then I would argue, you know, if you move that up to double A, you know, if there's anybody that's going to beat him, it's going to be himself. Like nobody's really hitting him by any means. Certainly, you know, you face some better hitters. They're more equipped. There's a chance that they're going to be able to chase it a little bit more. But, you know, I'm particularly excited about that, especially recognizing that as he's able to work out the kinks in Spokane leading up to whenever that double A promotion might be, it's very fun to recognize that, you know, at this point in time, it's only a matter of just working out those kinks, getting ahead in counts and making sure you're following through with it. Um, one other additional thing that I wanted to mention, Joe Rock probably had the best pitching, the best single game pitching performance out of anybody in this entire month, maybe the year at this point. He tossed a complete game shutout against Vancouver on June 5th. Um, very cool business as far as, you know, it's easy to, it's easy to kind of get swept under the rug and you realize we don't really see a whole lot right there. I guess him and Chad Cool are battling it out for the best pitching performance on the Rockies entire system this year. So cool to be able to recognize this and all the while, you know, Hartford could certainly have a big boost of pitching. That could be something that really provides a little bit of relief after Carl Kaufman got called up to AAA. It could be a matter of time for somebody to be able to make the flight out east and you know, we'll be able to check it out from there. Um, yeah. All of those dudes. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, you touched on Rock and I, I kind of glanced over him a little bit, but Rock's been an absolute stud. And then when we look at the potential of these guys going up to double A, you're also looking at the potential of Chris McMahon maybe coming back into the fold. Maybe sure. Helper Olivares. Um, you know, they so a couple of arms that have really been down for most of the season, um, finally getting into game action. All of a sudden, this could be a much larger wave um, than some people anticipated. And you can talk Jaden Hill into that conversation as well. Maybe he would probably be re replacing some of these guys at high A Spokane in an ideal world. But a lot of really, really good arms. Um, that are showing off with a few more ready to get back into game action. And then last thing I want to touch on too, just to talk about how dominant um, Tony Losey can be. He has two starts this year where he's gone six innings, allowing just one hit without a walk issue. <laughs> he's also had two other starts this year where he's tossed six innings without allowing a hit at all or a walk issue. Uh, no, he did have a walk issue in those performances, but it's just, it's going to show that, he, when he is dialed in, he can be one of the hardest uh, guys to hit in, you know, the entire Northwest League. So that's that's the good that you're starting to see more consistent, more consistently out of Losi this season. When he's on, he's on. My kind of dude right there. You never know what you're going to run into right there. I mean, I yeah. guess that's kind of a, at that point a little bit more alerting to. You know, when this dude's having a really good day, he doesn't walk anybody. So it certainly suggests that when he's maybe having a little bit less of a day, he's walking a little bit more than you might otherwise hope for. But, you know, at the yeah, same time, he's controlling the damage there. And five, but you'll see other <laughs> ones where he's, you know, limiting it to one or two. And so it's it's just a matter of, you know, not beating himself. Sure. And it's good to see you getting cooking, dude. Anytime you got a sub Mendoza batting average against, you got some serious business going on right there. Um, those are our five five starters that we got cooking right here. We've got kind of an absence as far as Albuquerque starting pitchers in our mix. We do have a relief pitcher from Albuquerque that did make our squad. The lone pitcher from Albuquerque out of the 10 that we've got on the all-June squad. This is a dude, I'm going to take my time on this because, my goodness, this guy needed it. Julian Fernandez. 
called up late last year. Rockies fans might remember he's the dude that was throwing 117 miles an hour, but didn't have the greatest little call up month of September last year. He was DFA'd earlier this year, taken off the 40 man roster, clear some room for, I mean, I know that wasn't the linear transaction for Jose Urania, but then you start realizing that's the dude that's standing in the way of Julian Fernandez now that he really figured it out. Um, in the month of June, he put together an eight-inning sample size, 1.13 ERA. That is tremendous. After his ERA was flirting in the double digits for a significant part of the season. You know, that seemed kind of like I started to fear the worst going, is this going to be another line in the Jose Mejica succession of, you know, you call him up, perhaps maybe it was too early. I mean, you can only second guess at this point in time, but he's got a batting average of .080 batting average against, which that is by far the lowest out of everybody that we've had, you know, understandably. So him being a reliever, him touching 104, that's a brand new situation that we're working with. Um, Albuquerque hasn't necessarily used him as a closer. They've been using him more of just a general reliever. Eight innings, eight games that he's pitched in. He's had one save opportunity. He did not execute that save, but, you know, don't take away from the 1.13 ERA. That's still some serious situations going on. Eight strikeouts in eight innings, so very much along the lines of what we're looking at he's able to do. And then, again, only two hits allowed, which at that point in time, you know, if one of them's a weak hit, you're looking at some dude that's really knocking on the door of – you know, showing he's equipped to do it again, perhaps showing that he's equipped to, I don't want to jump to conclusions or disrespect a dude like Justin Lawrence, but, you know, in the absence of Tyler Kinley, what does the landscape look like of, you know, if you really need a dude, if you really need somebody to really cover, at least execute from a younger perspective, Julian Fernandez could be that guy right there. So I wanted to take my time on him just because I get all fired up seeing somebody throw 104. We do have... A trio of relievers in Hartford. One of them you'll probably have recognized their name. Two of them you might not even recognize their name at all. Because to be honest, Kenneth, I don't think we've talked about these two dudes. Starting with a guy that we do know, P.J. Poulin. Cooking it in Hartford. He's got 13 innings pitched, 1.38 ERA. Batting average against a .167. Again, very consistent arm. He is probably, I mean, he's been putting himself in more of those late inning potential setup, potential closer situations and that could end up being you know if Albuquerque does end up seeing a little bit of their relievers start to underperform again I hate to bring this up but Albuquerque's relief core hasn't necessarily been spectacular in 2022 so Poulin could end up being somebody kind of along I like to kind of think of it's a comparison of where Reagan Todd was last year we might end up seeing a triple-a call-up to really cover kind of in the absence of where the Rockies lost with you know, Zach Roskup and Joe Harvey were no longer with Albuquerque at the end of the year. It could end up being a situation where Poulin ends up filling in for the later half of 2022 in Albuquerque. Um, down on the list, two other guys from Hartford. We've got Trent Fennell. He's a 2018-24th round selection out of Barton College, a liberal arts school in North Carolina, NCAA Division II school. Trent Fennell did not allow a run in 10 and a third innings. Allowed three hits. He hit one dude and walked three, but with the exception of that and those three hits, those are the only dudes that reached on him right there. So absolutely carving 12 strikeouts in a little bit over 10 innings. And again, batting average against below 100. So this is a dude that really shined through, really had a great month. He wasn't used as a closer. As a matter of fact, he finished one game in a non-safe situation. So kind of just a utility guy that they're really working through. Um, 
very interesting to see the usage for this. Again, he's not necessarily the high leverage closer type dude that Hartford's really depending on. But at the same time, if you don't allow a run in 10 innings, you've got something to speak for. Down the list a little bit further, a dude that did a very similar performance in the month of June was Jared Biddy. He was an undrafted free agent in 2019. Mind you, undrafted free agent in 2019 means he wasn't selected in all 40 rounds. So that tells you, you know, it's not like undrafted in the 20-round draft that we have now. This was twice as long, and he was still not selected. He's still hanging on, still fighting through. He's starting to get a little bit older, pushing that age 25 range. But he's worked his way up to double A, tossed nine innings and allowed one run, sitting at a cool 1.00 ERA. Batting average against is the highest of our relievers at 233, but at the same time, very much limiting the damage and very much being able to execute pitches to certainly keep some traffic on the base paths. Not a lot of guys get to second base against Jared Biddy this past month. So he's been able to keep it rolling into July. Fun to be able to recognize this. You know, it makes you wonder with Trent Fennel, you know, 24th round selection in 2018, a little bit of an older dude, but at the same time, very much of an executing role player in double A. And of course, with Biddy being the undrafted dude back in 2019, you kind of are curious, what's the ceiling for these dudes? You know, as they execute, you know, it's not necessarily the electric arms that you're going to be able to see shooting up the ranks like a Tony Losey necessarily. But if you keep doing your job, you know, you can't necessarily deny it right there. So fun to recognize those dudes. Rounding out our final selection, going all the way back down to Scottsdale, Arizona in the Complex League, Angel Chavilli. I guess he actually did promote Fresno, so he's not exactly in the Complex League anymore. But in the month of June, with the complex roster, he pitched 13 and two-thirds innings. He allowed two runs in that time. Or I'm sorry, two earned runs. He allowed three in that time. Good enough for a 1.32 ERA. So, again, 19 years old, Dominican Republic arm. He's been able to certainly prove that he's executing some pitches and getting accustomed to, you know, the stateside level of ball at this point in time. Now he gets accustomed to the full season of what's going on in Fresno. So, certainly somebody to be able to watch at this point in time and – you know, especially at 19 years old, the developmental scale of where is he going to be in just a matter of two or three years, that could be somebody to certainly keep an eye on. So once again, the whole recap of our five relievers, Julian Fernandez and Albuquerque, got the Hartford trio of Poole and Fennel and Biddy, and then Angel Chavilli, the recent call up to Fresno, rounds out our 26-man roster. Kenneth, we did it, man. Here we, we made go. it. So we many pebbles. It. We survived. Out. My hands are just All raw these. at this point. <laughs> we got to go make a serious... United States Postal Service shipment of 16 purple pebbles per usual, which we've <laughs> never done. But you know what? It's there in spirit. There we go. <laughs> there, we'll take a short break. Purple. That's right. There you go. It, it's the most, it's the spiritual significance. It is what you want to make of it, man. <laughs> we are going to take a short break, but coming up, we will talk about the MLB draft as promised. Just over one week away, Rockies are in great position with a whole lot of picks early on, and they've got $13 million to spend in bonus pool money. Don't go anywhere. Check it out. You're listening to the Pepper Report Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pebble Report Podcast. Kenneth and I had to catch our break after absolutely powering through 26 dudes right here. So thank you guys for still sticking around with us. We're going to kick Too this damn. off. We have a couple. Yeah, no kidding. It's, man, you got to go get a refill of water and then call it call it a day. You got to get back. Start to get a little raspy at the end. <laughs> we do want to cover a couple of recent promotions. Um, I'm going to be honest. On our script right now, I have an exact screenshot of the recent promotions that Blake Street Banter tweeted out. 
So huge shout out to the Blake Street Banter crew. I mean, very clearly mapped out. It was better than I could have typed it in my own script. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and put that in there. So a nice little free promotion. If you haven't checked out the crew over at Blake Street Banter, make sure you do so. Um, friends anything that absolutely, man. Regular guests, regular friends. I mean, I, I'm a friend of their pod for that matter. Me being mm-hmm. on there, Kenneth and myself. So, anyways, I will map out. This is directly in their words again. So I want to make sure I'm citing my source. Recent call-ups, Fresno. We did talk about Angel Chavilli get promoted from the complex league up to Fresno. Also, Benny Montgomery is back in the mix, activated from the injured list. So not necessarily a promotion for Benny Montgomery from Fresno, but nice to see him getting back on his feet again. Um, a lot of the pitching candidates that we've seen, you know, we talked about Tony Losey earlier. He did get promoted from Spokane to Hartford. So another dude, Kenneth, I didn't mean to steal your shine right there because I no, think you told us everything we needed about him on the, on the little all-June recap. But before we get ahead of ourselves, we did see up to Spokane, Fresno to Spokane. Mason Green got promoted, and then another catcher that was on our all-June squad was Hunter Goodman, also getting the nod. Interesting to see the pro- I mean, the progression of our catchers at this point in time as we look at the roster setup and how we had you know the best performers and all those catching depth that was really shining through. So that's the mix that we did have in Spokane. And then I'll just go ahead and power through this, and then we'll give us a full recap. The extra names that are also on here, Christopher Navarro and Grant Levine got called up to Hartford. Again, Grant Levine, somebody that's putting up some serious offensive numbers, finally making that double-A jump, taking on that jump of pitching as well. So very fun to see where he's going to be at throughout July. And then up to Albuquerque is another one of those Michigan dudes, Carl Kaufman, finally getting the nod into AAA. You can only start to wonder at what point in time is he going to be the next in line to replace, you know, the holder, the placeholder of Jose Urania at the big leagues right now. So getting up to Albuquerque, it could easily be that we're not going to see that this year because you want to give him a sizable sample in AAA. Also curious, you know, at the return of Ryan Rollison, hopefully healthy by spring training, is that going to create some interesting competition with a lot more deep of a pitching rotation in Albuquerque than some might suggest at that point. So final name that we've got on here is Jimmy Heron, also getting promoted from Hartford to Albuquerque. So comprehensive list, man. We've got nine recent call-ups just in this early stages of July. And Kenneth, I just want to get your take on this. Who, I mean, who stood out to you? Who do you think is the most deserved? Or what's kind of the biggest surprise at that point? Um, Tony Losey is a good one to uh, to keep an eye on because we, we hit earlier on just how electric that stuff can be and how it translates in AA is going to be really interesting to watch. Um, I know we look at, at Goodman as a catcher and, you know, they're they're still playing with um, with Goodman behind the plate at times, but for the most part, it seems like he's pretty well more settled on first base. And so he fits in line nicely of uh, replacing Levine and Levine goes up and he will replace Michael Toglia and Toglia will probably get uh, his jump as well. So that's, that's going to be an interesting um, chain to watch of the first baseman in the system. Um, and then real quick on Jimmy Heron too, uh, really interesting story. I mean, the dude can really, really hit. He's a great hitter um, lost, you know, almost a, a full year, maybe nine months or so after crashing into a wall in 2021 um, in minor league games. So to see him get back into game action, to see him kind of pick up and still be able to do it after a pretty rough injury um, this year in Hartford and now get promoted up to Albuquerque. Um, it's almost a feel good story, but that would be underselling just how good of a hitter this guy can be. So maybe a, a nice little under the radar type of guy, because you didn't get to see a ton of him over the past two years, but I mean, he certainly has come back and done it with the bat. So, um, oh, last one I, I want to touch on too is uh, Warming Bernabel is not part of this Blake Street banter 
reporting because he was promoted from Fresno to Spokane a little bit earlier. Um, it was at the very beginning of July. So Vernable is a good hitter, man. Really, really good hitter. Um, still trying to find that comfort zone defensively a little bit, but he's bringing that hot bat over to Spokane and been playing well so far. So good to see him making the jump as well. That's your guy, man. We've been on his horse, even dating back to his complex league days right there, man. There you go. I'm warming the whole time. Man. <laughs> yeah. They're going to have to start making some t-shirts right here. It's back. I like it, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's back. Man, again, shout out to the Blake Street Banter crew. Very cool to be able to get that analysis. And again, if you haven't got enough of a minor league fix, be sure to check out those dudes over there because they're going to cover all of the holes. That If there's anything that we missed on this podcast, there's a good chance that they're going to cover it for us. So big shout out. I like mm -hmm. to think that we're kind of a disconnected team, you know. I mean, technically they're not in the SB Nation umbrella, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna honorarily put them in there with us, so we're good to go. Yeah, they're, they're the best of us. They're the better half of us at, at quite a few times. <laughs> it's good stuff, man. We're gonna go ahead and progress on to a little segment where we are breaking down the newest big faces that we will soon welcome to the Rockies organization. I suppose we can't necessarily break them down if we don't know who they are yet, but that's what we're going to do. We're going to try to forecast who these dudes are. The MLB draft is upon us, kicking off Sunday, July 17th. It is on ESPN this year, so very cool to recognize that it's getting some national notoriety. Just as it was in Denver, coinciding with the All-Star Game last year, the draft is headed to Los Angeles, California. A little big, big-time action there. I mean, it's a little bit... No disrespect to the Belco Theater last year, but, you know, I can only imagine that stage in Los Angeles is going to be a little bit more elaborate this time around. Yeah, the credit union can only afford so much. They, they got uh, <laughs> Emmy money out there. Man, it's getting serious, I guess. Colorado does hold the 10th overall pick in the 2022 draft. That is based on their placement in the 2021 standings, having the 10th worst record in baseball. You get the 10th overall pick. They also have the 31st pick as compensation for infielder trevor story making his way to the boston red sox again 10th and 31st pick on top of that the rockies will then take the 38th pick in competitive balance round a as it's called that is contribution for being in a smaller market slash 10 smallest revenue pool position so i mean long story short whatever that means the rockies get another pick it just roll off the tongue the competitive balance <laughs> round a draft pick <laughs> Could you imagine getting up on the stage and just having to put that together and sounding like I just picture Morgan Freeman walking up to the draft yeah. stage? Recite <laughs> limericks up there the whole time. Man, that's just well, I mean, that's funny too. Like, you'll see like old school footage of David Stern in the NBA draft selecting LeBron James, and it's like so concise with the first pick. Could you imagine mm -hmm. if it's like Willie Mays gets picked? With the 38th pick in competitive relance round A, and then you're showing like you can't you can't even use the footage, man. You just right. gotta roll a 38th pick and call it good right there. It's kind of how Mike Trout was uh, was was in that same <laughs> ballpark, and so they're just like, let's just cut to Trout shaking hands instead. <laughs> let's, let's skip the whole announcement thing. We're gonna cut Bud Sealing's voice out of it and roll with it. It's not the worst call. Oh man. After that 38th pick, um, the Rockies, they will select roughly every 30th pick after that. It does kind of get a little bit complicated around some of the extra just, you know, here give or take picks. But for the most part, for the remainder of the 20 rounds, the Rockies will be picking once every 30 times around. Again, in the MLB draft, you cannot trade draft picks. The one thing that makes it different than basketball and football and hockey, you, whatever your draft pick is, that's what you're stuck with. Um, you know, say what you will. That's kind of the effect of what you're working with, having a minor league system to be able to develop these dudes. But 
As far as the actual selections itself, the Rockies are in familiar territory to where they've been. They didn't necessarily have this top heavy with the competitive balance compensation picks last year. But again, right around that 10th pick, that's where they were in 2020. That's where they are again in 2021. And they're looking at a bonus pool of over $13 million. So we're looking at a pretty serious position once again to potentially secure some serious dudes that are going to be the next faces. Again, this is where Zach Veen came from, a similar territory for that first overall pick. Rockies were able to cash in on Benny Montgomery last year, right in that similar territory. So we've had, I want to turn this over to Kenneth because I also, I also want to give him a shout out for all the articles that we've been putting together on Purple Row. He's really taken the lead on a lot of this draft coverage. So if you haven't taken a look, we have Purple Row Draft Preview 1.0. We also have Draft Preview 2.0 going on right there. So I'll make sure that we get some links shared to certainly highlight this because this is pretty much everything you need to know on a written standpoint. But, you know, we got to debate some selections, dude. This is what we do. We get it together. We get the voices on or we get it rolling. So I do want to turn it over to you as far as, you know, where we're looking at. I guess we can go ahead and start for that 10th pick. Who do you think that a good candidate is going to be? It's interesting to look at positions. Of course, you always think, you know, what the pitching landscape is. Do you want to get a college arm? Do you avoid the high school arms? Is there a position that we need in the field that's going to be better? But who are those names that you're really looking at for that 10th pick? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting how it's shaping up for, for 10th because the Rockies are going to be in kind of a precarious position to either get one of the top guys that falls if anybody like Kansas City goes under slot ahead of them, um, or they are in a position to select the first pitcher if they want to as well. Uh, probably won't, the you know, to make the long story short, it's probably going to be a college bat is the way that it's going to shape out. You have a, a high school crop of Jackson Holiday, Elijah Green, Drew Jones, and Tamar Johnson. They're probably going to be going ahead. And then you have some pretty sure bet guys on Brooks Lee, Cam Collier, and most likely Kevin Parada um, out of Georgia Tech, who are going to be the college hitters selected. Uh, but if basically anybody from that core falls to 10, that could make it a very easy choice for the Rockies. But if all goes kind of according to plan and predictions, then you're kind of looking at a group of um, outfielder Gavin Cross from Virginia Tech, uh, corner infielder. He's listed as a third baseman and outfielder, but really it's just he's going to be a first baseman. That's Jacob Berry out of LSU. Um, and then you also have Jace Young out of Texas Tech, who has been converted from third base to second base. That's kind of the consensus right now on where the Rockies would go with that 10th overall pick of whichever one of Young, Barry, and Cross is available and most to Colorado's liking is really the way that it's leaning right now. Um, there's a bit of a pick your poison with each of them. Barry doesn't have much of a defensive value or home. Um, Young isn't great defensively either. Both of them are really going to have to make their living with the bats. And then Cross is a little bit lacking in just the pure elite skill, any one skill, contact, power, speed, defense, but he's really good at everything. So there's probably more of a high floor with him at the expense of a little bit lower of a ceiling um, with Gavin Cross. And so those are kind of the conversations right now for everybody um, at 10. There could be a few guys outside of it, like Zach Neto has gotten a lot of love on uh, the shortstop from Campbell. You watch him swing, it's a lot like Javi Baez. It's very aggressive in everything he does, but he was he was a huge dude uh, for Campbell this year. Um, and then another guy who's getting some some serious attention is the catcher out of Arizona, Daniel Susak. 
Um, he is still a bit of a work in progress when it comes to his receiving, but he's got an absolute cannon of an arm. And a lot of people really, really love his bat and see middle of the order potential with him. Um, but the theme throughout that entire conversation is college hitting. And that's pretty much the way it's going to go unless one of Johnson, Green, maybe, you know, Jackson Holiday, but that's probably the meteor striking the earth conversation um, falling to Colorado at 10. So that's what we're probably expecting at the top of the draft. Uh, the wild card here, like I said, the Rockies are probably going to be in the position to select the first pitcher if they want. So Kumar Rocker has obviously gotten a ton of attention and is back in the first round conversation. He could be there. Uh, behind that, a guy, uh, Kate Horton out of Oklahoma. Um, has really, really risen over draft boards, um, could be somebody that they would entertain. And then a couple of high school arms, Dylan Lesko, um, you have Brock Porter, and you have Brandon Berea. They're high school pitchers, though, and that's, uh, you know, that that kid touching the hot stove again when it comes to the Rockies <laughs> demographic. So um, a lot of options, most likely one of those college bats and very young Susack or cross though is is where i think it's gonna go you know there's like no way that i could poke any holes like you literally just presented that immaculately like i can't mm -hmm. even open the. I, I feel like i can't even open the discussion because you just knocked it on the head right there man yeah maybe i was just answering my own question tuning you out there for a little bit and it's like i just saw you stare at me blankly it's like okay it's my turn to talk no yeah right <laughs> all right friends well, we're gonna go to a commercial break now no i'm, I'm just teasing. well who do you like <laughs> no, I mean, it's a little bit on that. Like, what would you well, like? I mean, to I'm, I'm gonna, like I'm gonna fall back on yours because you put together such a great, like, compelling reason for them right there. Well, I mean, there's compelling reasons for each of them. Like, for me personally, fair, I, you know, J Jacob Berry is very divisive because a lot of people say, you know, they they see a maxed out frame. Um, they see somebody who doesn't have a lot of a lot more potential. There's a lot more sure. already finished product there with him. But at the same time is a high on base percentage switch hitter with a lot of raw power and also translates a ton into game action. He's just not going to be anything better than an average first baseman. Or you have a guy like Gavin Cross, where you're comfortably knowing that this is kind of uh, the reinforcement for the, the back end of your, uh, the top of your lineup. You know, he's that five hitter, let's say, or a two hitter that um, is able to, to do a lot of damage, but might not be that Zach Fiend superstar. Maybe you have Young, sure. where he's kind of not really going to be much. He's going to be a bit of a risk up the middle defensively. Neto could be overly aggressive. Pitchers are pitchers. Like, you know, what? there, there are holes in each one of their profiles, and that's why they're not in the top five. But sure, what, what, do, what would you like best? What do you think would, would you know, fit with Colorado? I like what you say about Jacob Berry. And I mean, you talk about the maxed out frame. I think that's important to note. I mean, especially because you don't want somebody that's necessarily peaked. And I mean, that's not to say he has. It could end up being somewhere where he shoots through the roof. I think it's important to note as far as, I mean, I'm just looking through the projected top 10 as far as, you know, where are these guys from? Jacob Berry playing at LSU, he probably has the most competitive background to this point in time as far as you know doing what he's done in the sec has certainly spoke mm -hmm. volumes and i mean you look at you know the players ahead of him that's not to knock the high school players because they haven't had the opportunity of course but i think there's something to speak for as far as you know whatever the minor league equivalent to sec competition is jacob berry already proved that he could really show well at that point in time and you know you get the school out of the way you get the playing every single day you get a frame like his that seems like it could certainly pick up on it right away 
I think there's something to be said there. And I think, you know, the positional versatility of, you know, he's proven he can play corner infield and also mix him into the outfield a little bit as well. I think that's going to be fun to recognize at the same time. And this is something we were talking a little bit over our commercial break. I think that now that you have a designated hitter in the national league, you get so much more freedom with these selections just because, you know, you're no longer locked in where you think you are. And again, it's okay to have a hole positionally. I mean, we look at so many guys that are in the big leagues that, you know, you don't get paid for your fielding necessarily. You get paid for your bat. I mean, yes, you're, it's not going to hurt if you have a really good glove and arm. But at this point, you know, what's going to cash the checks in, especially in a place like Colorado? So my take on this, especially looking at the landscape for pitching at that 10 slot or I mean, wherever the Rockies are going to be after those first nine guys are taken off the board, there's not really anywhere to go. I mean... I, I can't rationally say take a high school pitcher. I mean, as much as I'm on the train of, you know, it's going to be very difficult to draft and develop pitchers that want to stay in Colorado as we've, I hate to say readily seen, but this is, I mean, you get Kyle Freeland and John Gray aside. Yes. I mean, let's just call it what it is. But mm-hmm. I think that, you know, as far as passing on pick number 10, I mean, I, I guess this will be a good lead in as far as where the Rockies are picking right around that 31 mark. You mentioned Cade Horton from Oklahoma. According to MLB Pipeline, he is, I guess, an asterisk next to Kumar Rocker for this one. But, I mean, that aside, Cade Horton is the highest pitcher in their, in their rankings anyways that has actual collegiate experience. So he was able to do it in the Big 12 pitching with Oklahoma. You know, you saw a good amount of him in their conference tournament and into regional action. So he's certainly proven himself that he's able to take on a serious workload, kind of similar to what you know we've seen going on with Jacob Berry at LSU. but. At the same time, do you want to? I can't imagine the Rockies are going to dip that far to go get him at that tenth overall pick. Again, maybe you get the cool taste in your mouth of this is what we did with John Gray. He was out of Oklahoma as well, but John Gray was also a lot higher on a lot of those draft boards. So I can't imagine that you're going to necessarily see this. So my take on this, just based on you know the landscape and the positional shakeup, and if I may avoiding high school pitchers at all costs with that 10th overall pick. That's I think honestly, Kershaw. <laughs> you that's it. true. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. I mean, you're, you're not going to hit absolute gold if you don't take the shot, but mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to have a, I mean, we already tried it with Riley Pine point being, we already tried it with Tyler Matzik and you know, all things considered with Matzik's comeback with the Braves, you know, we didn't see that in Colorado. So if you really want to bet big and go on a big lottery ticket purchase, you know, maybe there's a shot there, but at the same time, you know what the optimism might be when you recognize that this is an 18 year old kid that now has to deal with the fragility of potentially pitching at Coors field as the light at the end of the tunnel. So my take on this, just whatever the best available bat is like, I mean, you get the freedom now with the designated hitter in the national league. I mean, I, I realize that's kind of a minuscule detail and I mean, it's not like you want to, clear cut somebody as a DH right out of the draft slot. Sure. But, you know, you have the versatility. We're going to have Ezekiel Tovar covering the middle infield. We're going to have Chris Bryant covering what he does for years to come. Potentially whenever this 10th overall pick makes it to the league, Chris Bryant, I imagine will still be with the Rockies, assuming all goes to plan. So boy, it's just, it's difficult because, you know, I think you start have to look at, you know, the contracts that are committed for the Rockies. And this is where I really like playing it. You know, you sign Ryan McMahon to the extension. You put the you put the money in front of Chris Bryant. You keep Antonio Sensatella around. You know, they were long enough contracts to suggest that, you know, this is going to be the long end of what you're trying to do. And, you know, if you want to open the competitive window up, I think that you just kind of 
I don't know if that gives any freedom to pick any more high school players because they already did that with Benny Montgomery and Zach Bean. I think just the natural progression of where are the Rockies going to be competitive? You know, if, if you keep picking high school players, you just kind of continue to fulfill your pipeline of, you know, your top dude. But I think the way to kind of expedite it and at least certainly suggest that there's somebody that's a little bit more equipped to move through the ranks a little bit quickly. I think, you know, take the best bat because that's just the positional breakdown for the top available guys. And from there, take the dude that probably played at one of the higher collegiate levels so he can certainly get through the ranks a little bit quicker and hopefully get there before a lot of those contracts start to expire. So I understand that's not necessarily an analysis on any of the particular players to begin with. But, you know, you take that kind of playbook, I suppose you start applying it to some of these names that exist. And, you know, that was why I was kind of clowning you a little bit earlier. I figured, you know, what I was trying to say versus you actually throwing the concrete names down. I felt like that fit in perfectly. But, you know, that's what I got, man. That's what we're looking at. Yeah. I mean, you, you brought up money and I, I understand that you were also looking in kind of the, the long-term plan uh, when it comes to Colorado. And I agree with kind of maxing out your window of contention. It feels like was the way I surmised uh, where you were going. And that's, I think another thing that checks the box for Barry with me is I'm not looking for Jacob Barry to just be the savior. I'm looking to slot him in around Tovar and V yeah. and, and Romo type of thing. So that's, that's just the dreamer um, side of me. But, you know, with a lot of this, it's very easy. And I think in a perfect world, you talk about who the best player is at that position that you're picking at. And it just works that way. And there's no and it's very black and white. When in reality, I mean, with the draft pool that each team operates under and the way that the draft is structured now, signability and also value um, uh, of signing at, you know, somebody at 10 where you can save a couple million dollars or even just a million dollars and be able to spread that on or spread that out later on that plays such a heavy role into it. And it's so there's just so much conjecture on who will go under slot and who won't and who will sign for who will demand, you know, slot or over slot. And, and it's, it's very easy to get wrapped up in that without not knowing anything concrete. Those are the conversations that we don't become privy to. So we can sit here. Uh, you know, if you, if, if you pound the table and say, I want Kumar rocker, I, I <laughs> we passed on him once. We're not doing it again. I believe that this is our ace. Well, there's a very real world where Kumar rocker probably is talking to the Rockies saying, I'm not signing with the Colorado Rockies unless you give me an extra 2 million over slot or something like that. Well, that throws Kumar rocker out of the conversation immediately. So um, it's signability. You know, they got 13 million, 660,000 to play with to sign all of their draft picks in this upcoming draft and who they're able to save money on it. You know, with that 10th overall pick could be the difference between, Neto, Young, Barry, uh, Susak, whatever, you know, whoever they choose there, not just the talent, but based off of affordability too. Um, and then that plays into who they can do at 30 and or at 31 and 38. Um, so you want to get into to some of that conversation too? You know, I think that's actually a great analysis. And that's funny you bring that up, you know, the affordability standpoint. And I think for people that, you know, if you're familiar with the NBA or the NFL draft, you don't necessarily run into these issues because you have to declare for those drafts. You don't mm -hmm. declare for the MLB draft. So point being, you know, if you have leverage, you're able to turn it down. If you have leverage, you're able to take a big chunk of money just because they have to lure you away from potentially going back to school. So, I mean, it's, it's fun to see this. And I like the way that you look at, you know, you're not looking to secure a dude at number 10, but, you know, looking at pick number 31, pick number 38, if there's somebody, especially in those competitive balance compensation rounds, 
you know, you're looking at some teams that might be trying to land a huge splash with those top 10 picks, but there might be, you know, kind of a competitive untapped window of, you know, yes, these teams are still in the competitive balance situation where they are, but what happens if they have to commit so much money to their first pick in that top 10 rounds that they can't commit the money elsewhere? So I'm excited to see this. I think it's interesting. MLB Pipeline actually has Kumar Rocker slated at the 38th best available guy, which I think that's a huge grain of salt. What are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, that that's like, that's, I, that's hard. And I mean, yeah. whoever put that together, I, I commend them for even attempting because that's a challenge in and of itself. But, you know, I do kind of want to get into, I guess, as far as where you think the discussion is going to go, pick 31, pick 38, especially, you know, let's say that there is the financial, you know, the affordability perspective of let's say the Rockies do go down that path with that 10th overall pick. Um, I, I guess, what are you necessarily looking for as far as if they do that? What doors are you trying to have them open? And, you know, if those doors do open, who would you kind of want to go after in those 30th kind of range of those next two picks? Uh, I think one of them becomes a pitcher. Uh, sure. Pretty straightforward. I think, uh, you know, you, you can entertain the possibility of going with an arm with that 10th overall pick and, and have your pick of the litter with it. But most likely they want to go with that heavy bat and then they want to be able to get maybe, you know, the, the the weird part with the college pitching this year and what elevates Kumar Rocker so much is there is just a ton of injuries and setbacks for college pitchers this year. So Blade Tidwell was a big name out of Tennessee yeah. to start the year. He was out for a majority of the season with a shoulder strain, came back, still showed good stuff, um, but he could slide into that, you know, after the first round. Uh, Connor Prelip from Alabama was, you know, a, a big, a big left-hander, um, was set out the entire time with TJ just showed up in the showcase draft combine, whatever they call it. Um, so he's, you know, starting to, to show off a little bit. Carson Wisenhunt, um, was ineligible for the entire year. Didn't get to start throwing in front of scouts until the Cape Cod league, um, got underway. So there, there's probably going to be a few names to select from in that 31st or 38th pick. Uh, you also look at some guys like Justin Campbell, maybe out of Oklahoma State. Um, they'll probably go uh, with an arm with one of those two picks. It's hard to say for certain which one, but I think that's that's going to be the game plan. And then for me personally, I think being able to fill that middle infield, especially if they don't go Zach Neto, um, 10th overall, I think that's a good opportunity for him there too. Um, I look at somebody like Peyton Graham, and this is going to be just a little bit more exclusive on Graham. We talked about overachieving um, infielders, and I just feel like Peyton Graham is that guy. And I think that that's going to play well in the professional ranks. I think he's just a big impact player. And if the Rockies have the chance to be able to slot him into their system, I think that could be a real boon um, for what they have or, you know, what, what players they have around him. I think that could be a good culture guy to bring in. Um, and then last point that I, I want to touch on too, you know, um, Jordan Beck out of Tennessee was somebody that was being entertained. Brock Jones out of Stanford um, in at the beginning of the season is possibly being a 10th overall candidate. They're not quite on that level anymore, but there's a very real possibility they could be there at the 31st or 38th. So depending on where they go with their 10th pick, you know, adding one of those outfielders that they're probably pretty well invested in in terms of scouting. Uh, Dylan Beavers out of California belongs in this conversation too. That they'll probably have their pick of one of those guys um, in that 31st or 38th round. So 
I think one of them has to be a pitcher. And then from there, you can add that outfielder you were looking at before, or you could, you know, get a little more insurance up the middle with someone like Peyton Graham. You know, I think that's a great way of putting it. And I kind of go back to, I mean, I understand this wasn't necessarily a linear comparison, but the 2020 draft, I initially thought that it was going to be an arm like Reed Detmers that was available for the Rockies. Mm -hmm. Now we see Detmers pitching in the big league rotation with the Angels. Of course, Zach Veen fell down enough. He was, I believe, touted as like the fourth or fifth overall, and he fell to, I believe, pick number nine for the Rockies. I think I think it was number nine. But yeah. point being, you know, it, it got to that point where, you know, how far are you going to go without taking him? And I understand, you know, if you get into pick 31, pick 38, you know, it's not necessarily as clear cut as those top 10 guys necessarily. But, you know, all the while, at what point do some of the other teams kind of pick for you based on, you know, this guy's fallen far enough that you can't necessarily see him go any further. And I think it's another thing that's just fun to piece together. 31 and 38 are where the Rockies are picking. So you have like, I mean, you have a very limited window of people in between as far as, you know, you have a little bit of a chance. Yes, they're not equal picks, but all the while, you know, who is the guy that they really want? And I think this is going to actually speak volumes when we see people get into, you know, the system. And it might end up being, you know, let's say Blade Tidwell, for example, let's say he falls to 31. That wouldn't be a significant fall, but maybe the Rockies feel like they just have to take him because he's not going to be available at 38. Or let's say there's somebody, you know, if they're in a projection around, you know, that if they're if they're supposed to go around that like 40, 45 mark, but if they end up getting taken 31 to the Rockies, that's going to kind of speak volumes to this is somebody that they really believe in at this point in time. So I think that'll be fun to really have just as some background information as we see them progress through the minor league levels. But, you know, all the while, I do want to talk about Kumar Rocker at this point. I know that I mean, we just really quick and I don't want to go too far. Last year, I remember just me being naive. I was I was at the Futures game. We're at Coors Field having a blast, as anybody can attest. You know, All-Star Week's upon us, cool. I'm walking back to the light rail station when the Rockies are on the clock. And, you know, I apologize for anybody as a listener of the podcast. I had I was at the Futures game, all right? I wasn't locked into the draft, okay? I was just I, – I was, I was living life. I was enjoying you myself. You and me both, man. So there you go. So I look and I see, oh, Rockies are on the clock. Kumar Rocker is still available. What are we doing? Like, I remember, I think I tweeted one tweet the entire day because I just kind of put my phone down and I was enjoying life. And that one tweet was Kumar's name in all caps. And then he didn't get picked. I remember I was like, all right, wait a minute. Just let's let's not jump to any irrational conclusions here. I was a little devastated. And then I picked myself up. And then, of course, seeing that he didn't even sign to begin with. There's a lot of baggage going on right there. But, you know, now we're at the point he has no leverage remaining. I mean, if you seriously look at the MLB listing, it says no school. He's the only player in the top whatever that says no school. So now you're at the point he can't turn down. I mean, I I guess you could turn down a draft pick, but you're in a position you know you no longer have. I mean, he had limited leverage to begin with last year. And I mean, he took every ounce of that leverage that was left. Is there a point where I mean, I don't mean to sound malicious with this, but is there any chance that the Rockies almost back him into a corner? saying, listen, we are taking you and we're going to pay you this much money. Is it, my point being, there was a lot of, I don't want to say baggage, but there was a lot of extra details that went into it last year that was readily exposed in the weeks leading after. I guess as we look at, you know, what are those weeks leading after this draft going to look like? What is the baggage that exists on the Kumar Rocker front? And I guess in your perspective, how is it different from last year? 
Uh, well, last year, there, you're right in the fact that he used up basically all of the leverage that he had. And um, when it came to the Mets, too, I mean, it was the the medical report and there's a whole stupid thing where basically there's an MLB approved medical evaluation that nobody sure. ever does because it screws up any um, leverage in negotiations. But if he had done that, he would have only been eligible to receive at minimum 85% of the slot value or something like that. Nobody ever does it. Kumar didn't do it. So they offered him a goose egg for a signing bonus. He naturally turned it down. Um, it was, we were all kind of in the dark for what was going on with Kumar, um, and, and the Mets and the whole drama on that soap opera. But then it came to light that he had surgery in September and his shoulder was the area of concern. Um, so that gave us a lot more explanation as to where the fallout occurred. Um, but he has pitched for the Tri-City Valley Cats. He, you know, basically showcased for five starts, 20 innings. A lot of the same guy was still there, but how much can you really invest in 20 innings? And you can set a franchise back by whiffing on a top 10 pick. We're still feeling the effects of Riley Pryant not working out the way that, you know, you envisioned it going. So it's very high risk and it's very high reward. If you're still getting the guy that's pumping up their high 90s with wipeout breaking balls, that's ace level, you know, potential that you could be drafting and you could be plugging into your system right now. But you could also have somebody whose shoulder is only going to continue to deteriorate and become largely ineffective or never reach the majors at all. And so from there, you just sank your 10th overall pick into nothing. Um, and, you know, this is this is a very risky demographic that doesn't come around very often. So tell me if any of these names do it for you. Kyle Funkhauser, Mark Appel, Barrett Locks. Aaron Crow, Luke Hoshiver, and Wade Townsend. Does and anything... Mark Appel did make it to the league. I mean, he did. In, <laughs> after he drafted in 2012, sat out. <laughs> drafted out of college in 2012, eighth overall by the Pirates, elected not to sign, um, was taken first overall by the Astros the following year in 2013, and just made it to the major leagues this past Just season. made it. Just made it. As a reliever. Yeah. Denver native Luke Hoshiver coming out of Tennessee was a supplemental pick uh, by the Dodgers. Chose not to sign, became the first overall pick in the 2006 draft. He had a nine-year career, but it was pretty much as a middle reliever, not a whole lot. So you look at the history of pitchers who didn't sign. And from the college ranks, it's not very good. Most of them become relievers, and some of them don't make the majors at all, like Barrett Locks or Wade Townsend. Um, when you apply that to the high school side, Brady Aiken was a first overall pick by yeah. the Astros that didn't sign. He stepped away from baseball in 2019. Um, Carter Stewart is having to play in Japan right now to figure it out, which that's pretty much Kumar's only leverage at this point is he could say, ah, screw it, I'm going to Japan. But you get this once every five, six, seven years where there's this wild card. Um, and this is a perfect draft for Kumar to be doing it in. But man, that track record is not great. The best out of that is probably Aaron Crow, who was always just a reliever. And that was for about three seasons. Yeah. So that, there's very, very high risk. But you could also make the case that he's the exception to the rule. And he could blow it out of the water and end up winning, you know, 200 games in his career. That's the type of caliber that Kumar Rocker offers. So it's very high risk, very high reward. That's just the easiest way to look at it. And 
it all boils down to which pitcher you think you're getting if you take Kumar. You know, I, I guess I should come clean. I selfishly, and I say selfishly, I don't think this would necessarily be the most rational move, but I also think our listenership for this podcast would shoot through the roof in the event that he actually did sign with the Rockies. Oh, yeah. So if you're tuning into this as an OG Pebble Report fan, big shout out to you guys right here. All right. Um, you never know what you're going to run into, I suppose. But no, It'd I mean, it's also, yeah. It's no, a big, big name, man. It's a big name. Well, and he I, I don't mean the Rockies once before. I don't know if we mentioned that's that. That's true. That is that is a good point. Yeah, as quickly as people forget the pre-college days on that guy's front. It was it was a throwaway draft pick um, for the most part. It's one of those where nothing's hurt when you draft him in the 38th round or whatever it was. And he you already know he's strongly committed to Vanderbilt. Uh, maybe it's to keep him away from somebody like Los Angeles, offering him a very large piggy bank <laughs> instead. Um, but, you know, they've been on him before. That's that's at least the, the moral of that story. Sure. Well, and very fun to just recognize. I mean, too, I guess a good way. And if you kind of flip the discussion on its head, you know, this is a big deal. And I mean, I realize this isn't a huge analysis when I say this, but. You know, anytime you've got a top 10 pick, I think to myself, you know, where would be where would the Rockies have been if John Gray didn't pan out? Like, I mean, is it possible to suggest that they wouldn't have made the playoffs in sure. 17 and 18? I mean, that's that kind of just quantifies in a hurry. And I mean, I use that as kind of a discussion point of, you know, I understand the Rockies aren't picking that high this year. But all the while, this is a huge position to be in, especially, you know, if you do your homework and you look back, you know, several years previously of who were the now big league all-stars and where were they drafted in that first round it's a big deal to recognize that the rockies are in a great position and you know i couldn't have said it any better myself i want to show a lot of love to my guy kenneth on this one if you haven't checked out his purple as he's waving at the screen right now nice just doing my job <laughs> if you guys haven't checked this out by now all of the purple road draft coverage that he's been putting together on our site has been absolutely fantastic as a matter of fact my preparation for this was all of the articles that he has written at this point in time. And, and shout out to Renee. Up. She Renee knocked yeah. out the first one. Um, she always does a really good job on, on covering this. Um, I just happened to take a little bit more of the torch on, on the past couple of articles is all. You know, it's just, it's so much fun to be able to have a lot of people that are eager to put together great draft coverage for, for I mean, all of this right here. I knew that I was going to need to be able to bring my A game because I knew Kenneth was going to absolutely dominate this discussion right here. So a whole lot of fun to be able to make it happen. We have, we do have one more commercial break. I think we're already rolling on our longest episode ever. So I guess that we'll, we'll try to elongate this. Never going to end. <laughs> we are going to go until next Sunday when the draft actually happens. There you go. We're going around the clock, man. There you go. We'll be able to put some good stuff. there. <laughs> we will come back for a good quality 10 minutes or so closing up for you guys coming up. We'll outline. We have a weird schedule landscape that isn't your average July or it isn't your average month in the minor leagues. We've got some interesting off days. We've got some all-star break mixed in. We've got a little thing also called Fresno Taco Weekend that we can all look forward to. So, I mean, definitely, if you, if, you, if you didn't have reason to stick around, now you have all reason to stick Tacos. around. Tacos. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in. We'll wrap this up here in a couple more minutes. You're listening to the Pebble Report Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. We are already cooking, I think, our longest episode ever right now. I mean, we're talking about the draft. We got fired up, all right, people? It is what it is. Um, we just don't want to say goodbye to you guys. It's just deep down, we have such a devout emotional connection to all of our people. 
and now we're almost done. It is what it is. So sad. I had to go on mute because I was crying so hard. That just felt <laughs> so heartfelt. <laughs> oh my goodness. There it is. Kenneth and I are just going to soak in our own tears with up with this right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to cover the road ahead. Yeah, no kidding. I already do, though, man. It's because <laughs> it's so hot in Phoenix, you need the moisture, right? <laughs> of course. Yes. Let's call it what it is. There you go. <laughs> we will context. map out all of, all of the affiliates that we've got going on. Now everybody's going to think I'm just an emotional disaster. Goodness you are. Gracious, You're man. just a big sweetie. <laughs> Just the biggest teddy bear you know right there. <laughs> I agree. I agree um, with that. <laughs> we will cover all of the affiliates that we've got going on. Um, per usual, we've got AAA Albuquerque. At the time of our recording, they're finishing up a set with Round Rock Express on the road in Texas. They started off one and three. Um, their game is over now. I, I, I should know the exact result right now. I'm not going to lie. I was doing all my draft coverage. Do you, I don't want to admit my own. It is not over yet. It's but still it is, all right. Good, good. There it's ten go. two. Albuquerque pretty well has this one wrapped up. All right, so finishing the series. There you go. Finishing There's the actually just one out left in the game. So yeah. <laughs> oh goodness, I was getting all insecure. I was like, why don't I know the result? And it was it's still going on. There you go. Yeah. I almost talked myself into the fire, and then I just talked myself out of it right there. No, you survived, oh, man. Um, we are going to release this episode Monday morning. Um, so if you're listening on your Monday commute, go dominate the work week. There you go. Um, by the time you hear this episode, the uh, Albuquerque Isotopes will be opening another road series with the Sacramento Rivercats. Got some ground rock to Sacramento. That's that's quite. I mean, I guess you know you're probably hopping on a plane at that point in time. I would certainly like to think. But anyways, AAA will also have an All Star break that coincides with Major League Baseball. So right around the same time as the draft. Um, yeah, just don't even worry about looking at box scores. Just put all your attention on the draft mm-hmm. at that point because there isn't any games to go on. So yep. if you live in the Albuquerque area, um, your next home game is July 22nd. So we're looking at a couple days until you get it rolling again. But, you know, yeah, don't forget that headlining day right there. It's going to be a midweek opener as opposed to I mean, like it's a Thursday series opener instead of the normal Tuesdays going on right there. So that is the landscape. Moving on down the list, Double A Hartford. Last week, they took on the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Pretty matched win come throughout the entire week. This week, they're at home taking on the Harrisburg Senators, which, you know, aptly named. I mean, the Washington Nationals down to the Harrisburg Senators. I feel like their low A affiliate should be like the the Settlers or the, the Mayflower, the Pilgrims. Is that the Columbus Congressman? <laughs> I'm trying to think like the lowest <laughs> the house members the councilmen <laughs> I don't know the how you person who takes the minutes there, there you go. <laughs> the secretaries or something I don't know <laughs> Double A also has that magic all-star break with days off they're having a cap giveaway at old Dunkin Donuts Park in Hartford having that on Tuesday July 12th I haven't seen the hat I just saw it on their schedule so I don't even know if they've released the hat. But, I mean, even if they have, it's not like it's going to be the on-field one. They're not just going to give those away. I mean, they could. if they're, They they ordered them a size too small for everybody. That's so true. They got to they clear it. The kids give away. Yeah, that or I'm just I'm going to put my money on like one of those spinny umbrella caps. I think that'd be solid. <laughs> With some goat horns on them and you're good to go. Man. Yeah. yeah see? That, would, that would stop the spinny though. Yeah, you got to spin it around the horns. Yeah, it's, it's the horns that spin. <laughs> Look at this. We need to be the marketing directors, man. You never know. 
<laughs> I'd wear it. Actually, no, that's a total lie. I'd wear it. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> As we're crying our eyes out at the end of the episode, wearing our horn. Because hats. the horn poked me. <laughs> oh, I, I don't even know how we could go on, dude. I might not. I think you lost me for there for thirty years. <laughs> I think you just lost me for a good five or ten minutes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna try to see what IA Spokane has going on. Last week they took on the Tri City Dust Devils again, pretty evenly matched in the win and loss column. This week, getting to cooking against the Eugene Emeralds, throwing down at the University of Oregon, which is the home stadium of the Eugene Emeralds. Always weird to see all the Oregon O's at the Eugene Emeralds home ballpark, but you know, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice field. It is what it is. It just happens yeah. to be that, you know, Phil Knight had his way and not a whole lot of Eugene Emeralds logos at the university of Oregon. <laughs> you didn't um, get a pretty sweet complex. It's not as bad <laughs> as the coyotes playing at ASU's ice rink. Man. Yeah. No kidding. I, I heard a story. I don't even know who this was. I, I heard this like a former teammate of mine that was playing through the minor leagues. So I don't even, I, sh- I should give him credit. I don't even remember where I heard this, but he's playing in the Northwest League. And there was one player that was like, man, look at that stadium. Well, it was Autzen Stadium. And they thought that was mm-hmm. the baseball field. And then they, oh. like right next door was the, I mean, it's not a bad ballpark. It was just they're getting yeah. all fired up. To you play got crushed, it. though. You're just like, oh, man, <laughs> I thought I had 40,000 ready to watch me. He was devastated, going, no way. Oh, that's the football field. <laughs> wah, wah. Disappointed. I know. So, yeah, not to lower the bar. It's still a nice park. It is what it is. Anyways, same matching All-Star break days off. Um, High A Spokane is getting shortchanged in mid-July because of the All-Star break. They're actually going up to face the Vancouver Canadians, and they only have them for three games instead of six because of the All-Star break. So I've heard that's like one of the most coveted road trips in the Northwest League, and you know you kind of get it short-lived up in Vancouver, I guess. But it is what it is. Hang out in huge ground. There you go. <laughs> what do you do in the Northwest League? You just go hang out, go to go to Pike Place. Where you know, we're at. like the Northwest in general, a lot of craft breweries. Uh, yeah, that's true. Hiking. It's a lot like Colorado. Around. I was going to say, yeah, it's, we're pretty much on a linear scale at this point. <laughs> right. Except for they like soccer a little bit more. That's true. That is true. There you go. Um, Low A Fresno, this week, uh, last week, um, they started the set real hot, had a great week against the San Jose Giants. This week, they go on the road to take on the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. They got a nice little vibrating looking cue as their logo, just as an earthquake would suggest. There you go. Um, Fresno also back at home after that weird all-star break set. So they won't play again back at home until July 22nd. However, July 22nd through 24th is Fresno Tacos weekend. So as a lot of Rockies fans already know, Kenneth, I got to come clean. I got to come clean. I'm on the, I'm on the no apostrophe train, dude. You're what? I'm a no apostrophe guy. I don't oh, no. I, I know. I can just Listen. I can feel your Twitter followers just dropping off. <laughs> I mean, it isn't correct. I mean, all right, here's a, let me put it this way. All right, if you have made it this far into this episode, that means that you already like the content that we put together. Or Point being, I'm not gonna. I mean, if somebody trims this and clips it, my Twitter following actually probably will decrease for some reason. This <laughs> is just. I I don't. I don't get why it's so coveted. Like, what are we what are we doing here? Because it's it like, gets it, under people's skins. Is, it, is that it, the it, only reason why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. 
I mean, Jeez. all right, you've had to watch so much bad baseball and so many <laughs> watch for the Rockies we that you something. have to occupy your time in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and if it's it being somebody pissed off because he spelled it with an apostrophe, you just kind of ride that way for a while until <laughs> the winning happens again. That's true. That's fair. That's actually, I mean, it's a good point. That That's fair. That's I my mean, understanding of the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I will give you that. Like, I that actually is a very good point. I don't want to sound like I'm disputing that for a second. It just... Hey, you're on one side or the other. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the fun part about how it's all shaken out is... There's a lot of people who are just like, that is childish and stupid, so no. And then there are others who are just like, I love being childish and stupid, so apostrophe, yes. You know, I think, honestly, we need to put it on the people at Fresno. If they put the apostrophe on the jerseys, that's true. that tells us everything we need to know. That's true. Like, yeah. It's up to them now. It's out of our hands. Yeah. I mean, we actually, this is my attempt to deflect any negativity that might be coming on me right here. So I, I don't need, I, oh, I need, no, to, no. I need no to complete transparency. Just accept it. Just <laughs> accept it. There it is. Just what I thought we were going to get out of this unscathed, man. Um, down the list, Arizona Complex League, they're rotating all across the Cactus League venues. Um, very difficult to pinpoint where they're going to be because they're pretty much in a new place every single day. But definitely didn't want to forget about those people. I might make it out. If you just see some random dude that you happen to recognize, it's probably me at a complex league game here in Phoenix, man. So there you go. Hit him with an apostrophe. He'll know it's you. <laughs> That's what you need to do. Yeah, you see somebody that you suspect and just hold like an apostrophe cardboard cutout. I'll come over <laughs> the next year. That's <laughs> why spells tacos. You'll know when it's <laughs> On down the list, the Dominican Summer League also getting it rolling. So if you're taking a nice little vacation out to the Caribbean, and you want to watch our guy, Angel Chavilli. Actually, no, he got promoted to Fresno, so he's not mm -hmm. even there anymore. <laughs> Which Fresno just did their Lowriders campaign. Or, uh, That's right. Right? They did the Tigers one, too. Is that right? Yeah. So he yeah, just missed they... out on some of that fun, but he's, he's here for tacos. He's here for the tacos. There you go. He gets a little taste of something right there. So that is the whole rundown. Um, as per usual, we're going to pick one breakout player to roll. Oh, excuse me, breakout player to watch. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say it's Cuba Bess in the Complex League. I'm going down to the Complex League for my guy because, again, 24 years old, playing in very much of a developmental setup. Again, June OPS above 1,000, one of our dudes on that all-June team. And I feel like if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's at least headed to Fresno pretty soon. I don't know if it's going to be in time for Taco Weekend, but you never sure. know. But that's my dude. I'll turn it over to Kenneth. Who's your breakout dude? Um, I'm going to go with Hunter Stovall. Um, he's Ooh. been, yeah, he's kind of been awesome uh, for the yard goats. Uh, it was off to a slow start, uh, but July, he's just tearing the cover off the, the ball already. He's sitting 412, 474, and 618. Uh, really, since June, he's he's found something. He's turned a corner somewhere. He's got a 121 WRC plus um, since the start of June. So uh, Stovall figured something out, man. And uh, he's he's writing a lot of success right now. So I expect that to continue. I like it, man. I mean, all of a sudden, yeah, the people in Spokane are missing out, but the people out in Hartford are getting their little taste of our guy. Absolutely. And one day every the Rocky I... <laughs> There you go. You know, for some reason, every time I think of Hunter Stovall, I picture him in those, like, aviator uniforms that Spokane wears, like the yeah. dark blue pants. I, I don't know why. Every time his name comes up, the visual just comes to mind that that's the dude that – it's just great. Craig. I mean, he – it might be his Twitter photo now that I think about it. Because I was going to say, there had to be a column you poured a lot of time into uh, where you were just seeing <laughs> that image. And it was just staring back at you the whole time. <laughs> like, I don't even know why. It just came yeah. to mind right there. He's just in like a full Canadian tuxedo. And you're like, that's just the way you look now. 
that's it. It's just I don't I don't know what to tell you, man. This is this is association <laughs> burned in my memory forever. When I think of Stovall, I think about the uh, draft that we did with the Blake Street guys before the season. Yeah, and Aaron was all sorts of clever, and he's like, "I swear to God, the guy catches." Yeah, I know he does some way, shape, or form. <laughs> and so he's been catching for uh, for Aaron's team the whole time, never for Hartford. <laughs> Which I like, fill it out. Some work on the side. It, it's kind of an emergency catcher situation um, from what they unearth when talking with Stovall. But uh, yeah, he used him <laughs> as a catcher long term. So I still feel better about having <laughs> Braxton Fulford behind the dish. And you never Earth. know. I was going to say, yeah, after the Drew Romo situation. Yeah, I still remember that one. That's, that's funny you bring that up right there. It goes again. fast. Yeah. Catching goes fast. <laughs> You just, hey, are you take an inning behind there, you're good to go. If yeah, we put Carl Gossman back there. He's got a good arm. I think he'll put <laughs> somebody out. I don't know. Oh, no. Hell, Chris Oliveras going to work. Lefty catcher. <laughs> Never saw it coming. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My friends, thank you guys for tuning in. Seriously, we're so thrilled to present another episode of the Pebble Report podcast. Um, be sure to check us out on Twitter. Kenneth is at KDub1988. I don't know if I want to disclose my Twitter account because everybody's going to go and follow me if I tell them that I don't like the apostrophe. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to say my Twitter handle, but I will say Purple Row is at Purple Row for the full SB Nation rundown on the Colorado Rockies. Oh gosh, I, yeah. you just I've never told anybody to my taco thing. I never have told anybody. I've been afraid to tweet it because I don't want people to like come after me on this, dude. Reward the listeners. Maybe you can yeah. get more followers by being an anti-tacos apostrophe. That's, I mean, I know Manny Rondawa also. I mean, MLB.com's Manny. He, I know he's anti-apostrophe. So, I mean, I know that it's at least out there. But, like, I, I just it, – it's so silly. Like, people are going to come after me over this. For, and it's so innocent. Oh, man. This is – this is there are, there are dozens of us who support the apostrophe. All right? <laughs> we're we're going to let bygones be bygones. And just if you don't love it, Fine, we'll move on because we're all here for the Rockies at the end of the day. But then, <laughs> how are you going to do it when the Rockies give up seven? Are you going to go That's so true. cat with just so cat, no apostrophe? Get weird. Embrace the weirdness. <laughs> That's what we're just trying to get you to lean into. I need to man. get along the train right here, man. You know, it makes people happy. It's all part of it. I'm just, I'm, somebody's out there is going to probably trim the section where I said I'm not on it. They're just going to make a sound bite of it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the, that's the only the only evidence that exists is this podcast. Like, seriously, I've never said this to anybody. So, consider yourself fortunate. This is what you do. We save the juicy nuggets for the end of the episode, right? No, we're, we're for anybody else that wants to stick around too. Uh, officially, when they hit fourteen, it's burritos at that point. Yeah, that'd be, so, that'd be legit. Yeah, double up. Yeah. <laughs> if you stuck around for two hours and you found out the burrito trick, then now you know. <laughs> that's a promotion somebody's tuning in that. somebody's like when is this gonna end <laughs> <laughs> let me go goodness man i do want to give before we sign off i want to show some love to my guy kenneth as always if you've got a nice little final word for us you good no man I mean, apostrophe yes that was it's our nice final word <laughs> <laughs> oh, but i will keep this quick and concise i do want to give a plug um very selfish free ad if i may I am, again, working the Arizona Fall League coming up. I am the communications supervisor. I got promoted from coordinator Whoa. supervisor this year. I know, man. Just a little bit of a heads up. Our schedule is going to be released in the coming days. Actually, it might actually be released by the time you're tuning into this episode. So I just wanted to give some love. If you find yourself coming on down to the desert in the great months of not June and July, 
you know, come and check it out October and November and we'll have a blast. So again, the roster should be announced a couple weeks in advance of that October 3rd opening day that we've got cooking up, but you know, hope to see you guys down here. Uh, Kenneth, I need to fly you down here to come and hang out with me, dude. Sold. <laughs> we'll see how it rolls, man. Another huge thank you. All you guys for tuning in. Seriously. Again, our longest episode ever looking at the clock right here. Time flies when you're having fun, dude. On behalf of my co-host and Purple Row writer, Kenneth Weber, my name is Justin Wick of Purple Row. Looking forward to bringing you this all season long. Also want to give a, almost forgot to say this, also want to give, people are like, when is this going to end? My goodness, this is the longest closing ever. Affected by Alex, We lead up to their recording. We're sharing a sound booth <laughs> right now. And they're just sitting there looking at their watches, fuming at us. <laughs> Mac Wilcox has done eight paces in the studio yeah. room, making sure. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So their episode's probably going to release around a similar time. You never know when it's going to kind of come together. But make sure you're checking out them, all the good stuff over at Purple Row. And all of our friends across the media affiliates of Colorado Rockies Minor League Land. Once again, we're looking forward to making this happen. This has been the Pebble Report Podcast. And until next time... Let's play ball.